essentially, uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, I think, are days that, uh, because they deal with the idea of Hashkacha, Hashkacha Pratit or Hashkacha Shladit, uh, divine providence in different forms, so they relate to our understanding of Hashem in, uh, in very significant ways. And I think that if a person uh, misunderstands Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it could be uh, to their detriment in their Yediyat Hashem. On the other hand, to properly understand uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is obviously critical to uh, make the most out of it. If a person's going to benefit from these days, they have to understand what the days are about and what the real significance of the uh, Yamim Anoraim uh, is intended to be. So when we look at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, I think in the common imagination, the, uh, the way that the average person thinks of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur could be uh, in certain ways uh, missing some of the, uh, some of the, the, the fundamental uh, uh, principles of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And I want to explore a little bit some of those ideas that uh, hopefully will help us benefit to the maximum from, uh, from this period of time. Uh, and uh, by giving a little bit of a, a framework to our understanding of what really happens during Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So obviously we know that uh, traditionally speaking, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is a time of judgment. We think of uh, these as Yemei Adin. These are the days of judgment. Yamim Anoraim, the days of, uh, of awe. And the Ramban, actually, the, the, the Ramban in Chumash points out that this idea of, let's say, Aseret Yamei Teshuvah is not really a, uh, a chidush of the rabbis, but actually it is alluded to in the Torah itself. How do you see that the Aseret Yamei Teshuvah really are, uh, are alluded to or signaled in the Chumash itself? Because you see that right after Rosh Hashanah, it says, Ach, it says, however, you should observe the Yom Kippur. And the way that the Ramban presents it is basically that Yom Kippurim is the final kapara that the Jewish people are going to receive, the atonement that they're going to receive. And Rosh Hashanah is the precursor to that. He says, that's the pshat of the text. In other words, we think of it that way today. That Rosh Hashanah is the opener to the period of Aser Teshuvah that closes with Yom Kippur. And that, uh, therefore, beginning tonight is a 10-day Aser Demei Teshuvah time that is extremely significant for our growth that we understand from tradition. And it, 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 it's reflected in our tefillot. We say, Melech HaKadosh instead of Ha'el HaKadosh and so on. But the Ramban says that this idea is actually found in the Torah itself. The way the Torah first speaks about Rosh Hashanah as a day where we are sounding an alarm, essentially, is what the, what the shofar is, that something is coming up, something very significant is approaching. And then uh, we see Yom Kippur right after that uh, presented to, the, to us in the Torah that indicates that, um, that even from the perspective of Pshuto Shel Mikra, even from the perspective of the simple reading of the text, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are two bookends that have a period of eight days in between them, linking them. So this is not a chidush that the rabbis introduced, but really it is built in, it's embedded into what Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are about. Yom Kippur, no doubt, is the final destination of the process. Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the process. 
Uh, what, I, what I wanted to mention, though, that's important is a couple of points, especially about Shofar and Rosh Hashanah and about how we approach this whole phenomenon of feeling differently during this time. In other words, it says, you know, we, there are many metaphors that come into play when we describe God being the king or God being the judge. Oh, Hashem is getting off of the Kiseh Hadin, going on to the Kiseh Rachamim. Hashem, you know, the, the, the idea that every person is passing before Hashem and he's judging them. These can conjure up images that project onto Hashem anthropomorphic ideas. We can, we can almost think that Hashem does different things at different times. Sometimes he's a king, sometimes he's a judge, sometimes he's thinking midat uh, din, other times he's thinking midat rachamim, and this is of course projecting onto Hakadosh Baruch Hu, uh, human qualities, human attributes, human thought processes, human emotions, and uh, and other uh, other uh, problematic uh, attributions. So when we th- approach Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it's important to realize that Hashem doesn't change. Hashem is transcendent. He doesn't change. What changes is the way that we relate to Hashem. So when we say HaMelech HaKadosh in our tefillot, that's because we are orienting ourselves. We can't take in the totality of the implication of God's existence for our lives. We focus on Malchut Hashem during this time, on the fact that Hashem is the one that determines the direction of the universe, the direction of our destiny, and the direction of uh, you know of all that occurs in you know in, in the created world, this idea that he is the melech, that he is the one that determines and directs the creation, is what we are focusing on at this time. That doesn't mean that Hashem in some way changed from not being hamelech to being hamelech, or from being one who judges and knows what's going on in our lives or where we stand before him to being one who doesn't know or doesn't focus on it or forgets sometimes and remembers sometimes and writes it in a book. That's not what it means. It's talking about out the change in the way that we relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and that right now we are focused on Midat uh, Adin. If you want to think about it as a uh, every Chag, zeroes us in on some element of Hanhagat HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of the behavior of Hashem in the world, how He conducts the affairs of the world. Uh, we, if we look at every Chag, every holiday embodies some element of Hashem's Ashkacha that we are reflecting on. Even Tisha B'Av is the significance of Hashem, Hashem's punishment of the Jewish people. Uh, when Hashem deals with us harshly, what is the significance of that? How do we see it and how do we understand it and how do we learn from it? So every holiday in the calendar zeroes in on an aspect of Hashem's hanhaga, Hashem's governance of the world. That doesn't mean that in any way Hashem is changing, but merely that the, uh, our relationship to Him, because we are so finite and we are so limited in our ability to comprehend Hashem, we have to focus on different elements and aspects of Hashem's governance of the world uh, at, at different times of the year. That's our, uh, that's our nature. That doesn't come from something different about Hashem, but from us. Now, I wanted to point out to you something interesting about the Shofar. Everybody knows, I'm sure, the very famous uh, Rambam about Shofar. It's probably one of the most famous passages in all of uh, the Rambam because Everybody talks about the high holidays, everybody talks about shofar, and uh, everybody seeks a reason for the shofar, and the Rambam 
very famously gives an explanation of what the shofar is about. And uh, I'll read it to you if you don't remember, but I think everybody, uh, everybody probably is familiar with this uh, because it's one of the, I would guess, I would guess, it's probably one of the most widely quoted passages in the entire Rambam just for, for the mere fact that it is um, such a common subject to speak about. And he's one of the people that wrote the most clearly about it. Even though blowing of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah is a decree of the Torah, meaning we don't base our observance of the law on our understanding of it, it's zerah, it's something decreed by the Torah. There is still a hint in it, which is Wake up, wake up, sleepers from your sleeping. And slumberers from your slumber. Analyze your actions. Remember your Creator. The people that spend the rest of the year involved in nonsense that doesn't help them, they forget the truth, they forget the proper perspective. Look at your souls and prove your ways. They should leave his evil way and his path that is not good. <clears throat> and each one of these phrases is really a uh, is really a uh, a gold mine for uh, understanding the Rambam's perspective on the shofar. There's a difference between and the way that is bad and the thought that is not good. All of these things that he's speaking about here are elements of the tshuva process. But what I wanted to point out more generally than that is that as appealing as the Rambam's interpretation is and as commonplace as it is that we assume that that's what the shofar is, it's a wake-up call, they even teach the kids that. It's something that's become a, uh, an accepted, almost like uh, the official position of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, of, of most teachers of shofar is that that's what the shofar is. If you look at the tefillot of Rosh Hashanah, you don't get that idea at all. And that's one of the, that's one of the fascinating things. What does the, what do the tefillot of Rosh Hashanah focus on when it comes to the shofar? Malchiot, zechonot, v'shofarot. Okay? If you look at the way that the, uh, and especially the way that Rashi in the Chumash and the way that the Rambam actually in the Perush La Mishnah explains that this idea of connecting the shofar to certain psukim or certain themes is even midoraita, even as a biblical basis, because it says zichron truah. It's a remembrance of truah, which means there has to be some meaning, some significance attributed to the blasts of the shofar. It can't just be a mechanical sound. So connecting it to these psukim has a biblical basis even, according to Rashi and according to what the Rambam says in the Perush La Mishnayot. So why then, if it's so clear that the purpose of the shofar is to, is to, is to awaken us to do teshuvah, if that's so obvious, so then why is it that in the tefillot it doesn't mention that even once? What do we have? We have the shofar as a declaration of God's kingship, that's malchiot, very nice. We have zichronot, shofar as a remembrance of the akedah, or as a remembrance of our zichuyot, as a, uh, a way of bringing our uh, positive merit uh, to the forefront for our judgment so that we have a good zikaron, so that Hashem remembers us for good. We'll come back to what that means in a second. 
because obviously Hashem remembers everything, so we're not really going to be able to persuade him uh, to remember one thing, to distract him by focus on, focusing on one thing as opposed to the other. And then Shofarot really talks about Mamad Har Sinai, and then it talks about the Imot Mashiach. So essentially what the Shofarot is talking about is Geula. It's talking about redemption. In other words, thinking of the initial Mamad Har Sinai experience as a redemption from the completion of the redemption from Egypt and, and coming to an awareness of God's kingship. And then, of course, uh, recognizing that that process is incomplete and therefore we pray for the uh, coming of the Mashiach and the Tikkab Shofar Gadol Chirutenu, which signifies the, uh, the, the, all of humanity coming to an awareness of Hashem uh, uh, you know, uh, as a whole. But none of this is related seemingly in any way to the, uh, what the Rambam says and what the Rambam formulates in Hilchot Teshuvah, which is that it's really a personal uh, wake-up call, that a person is uh, embedded in the, uh, the frivolities of, of the society in which he lives. And now he has to be uh, shaken out of that and uh, to focus on, uh, on improving his behavior. Where, where, where is that anywhere in the tefillot? It doesn't seem like that's anywhere in the tefillot. On the surface, uh, the, 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 we say, you know, the, the main thing that the Rambam is saying is supposed to be uh, the lesson of the shofar is, uh, is absent from, uh, from anything in the tefillot that we read together with the shofar. It's a very strange thing. So what's the answer really to this dilemma? What's the, uh, what's, what's the, what, what, what you're saying? Are, are these the three things of the Tzvilah, the Malchuyot, the Zichonot, and the Shofar, are those all three things related to the Shofar? Are those three like branches? Like yeah, there are three ideas. There are three ideas in the, in the Shofar. There's actually a, uh, it's interesting that there's a Machloket between, what were you saying? There's a machloket between, the, between everybody else and the Bal HaMa'or about whether the nine-part tefillah that we read in the Musaf is really supposed to be the Amidah for the entire Rosh Hashanah or only for the Musaf. According to the Bal HaMa'or, it would be like you said. Really, the three themes are three themes of Rosh Hashanah. So really, they should be in every one of the tefillot. But during the Musaf, where we blow the shofar, we incorporate it together with the shofar. We tie the shofar in to, to the tefillah. And that's, the, uh, that's just an, a, a deen, basically, of uh, having the shofar tied into the tefillah. But really, the tefillot are the same. Because he says, there's no other holiday where all of a sudden, for only one of the tefillot, you have a different number of bachot than the other one. So he maintained that actually you're supposed to say that entire long Musaf for every one of the tefillot of Rosh Hashanah. And he claimed that that was what the Geonim did. But everybody else disagreed with that and said, no, Musaf is different. In other words, according to everyone else, it's the opposite way. It's not that the Tfilot have a set form that they mention these three themes. And, the, and in the Musaf, we incorporate the Shofar. It's the opposite. It's that Musaf incorporates these three themes because of the Shofar. In other words, because the Shofar is going to be introduced, therefore the Musaf incorporates the three. So we're assuming that way. We're assuming the way of most of the Rishonim, including the Rambam. And that's why during the Yovel, they also said the Musaf of uh, Rosh Hashanah, of the nine Brachot. During the Musaf of the uh, Yom Kippur of the Yovel, they had the Brachot of the... Uh, because why? Because you blow the Shofar on the Yovel. Yom Kippur of the Yovel, you blow the Shofar. So therefore you have that Musaf 
uh, on, on the Yovel, on Yom Kippur of the Yovel, you have the, the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah said on Yom Kippur. Why? Why would you have that? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, because you're blowing the shofar. In other words, it makes the most sense that way, um, that, that it's a function of the shofar, that it's bringing out elements of the shofar, and that's why on each one of them, if you look at the way the Mishnayot and Masechet Rosh Hashanah present the Musaf and the blowing of the shofar, it says, you say this Bachat B'tokeah. Each, t- each one of the bachot is associated with a... Um, and by the way, the, um, the tf- the, it's, a, it's a known thing, and this was also a big dispute between the Baal HaMa'ur and everyone else. He had a lot of shitot that were u- uh, unique in the area of, uh, of, uh, of shofar, because he says also that the way that we do it is totally wrong, because really the mitzvah of blowing the shofar is during the musaf. That's the main mitzvah of, uh, of Rosh Hashanah, and everybody seemingly agrees with that. So the, the fact that we blow the shofar beforehand, the 30 blessed beforehand, why are we doing that? So the Gemara says, oh, which basically could be taken to mean, in other words, it's to basically warm you up, to get you into the right state of mind uh, that your Yetzirah is, uh, is diminished so that you're ready to focus in on the Musaf. So it's a, a preliminary to the, uh, to the Musaf. Uh, but the Bala Ma'or said the way we do it is totally wrong. He said there's no reason to say a blessing of out, uh, you know, that you say Lishwa kol shofar and blow the shofar. No, that w- when it says that you do extra blessed, it's talking about after the shofar, like we do the ones at the end, after the Musaf, where we blow the shofar during the Kaddish, and then afterwards we do Tuagdolan, all that. He said that's what it's talking about, to do extra blessed of the shofar. Not beforehand. Beforehand you shouldn't do it. That's what, that's what he said. So the, there, there are a couple of different interesting shitot that he has, but the main point is that uh, the shofar is associated with the Musaf intimately, and, uh, and this is the, uh, like the Rambam says, Tzibur Chayav Lishmoa Etat Kiyot al Sedu Abachot. She says that, the, that the, there's an obligation to hear the Tzikiyot blended together with the Bachot. Now, what does that mean? That means that somehow the Musaf is bringing out the ideas of the Shofar. But then where is the idea of the Shofar that we're waiting for? Where's the idea of the Shofar about the Tshuvah? Where's the idea of the Shofar about uh, waking up from your slumber? Unless he's talking about people who are sleeping during the Tfilah, which is quite possible. You know, but I don't think that's what he means. So what is the, what's the idea? So the, seemingly the, 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 the resolution of this problem is that we're, we make a mistake when we try to understand what Teshuvah is without a recognition of Malchut Hashem. And uh, in other words, what, the, what, what, the, what, really, what really we're making a mistake is by dividing, by separating between these two things, separating between a Shofar that highlights Hashem's omniscience and omnipotence and mastery of the universe and divine plan of Geulah, separating that from our own personal Teshuvah and saying, wait a second, if it's really to declare Hashem's kingship and it's to declare that Hashem knows all, Zohir Abarit, and, and to remember the Zechut Avot, and it's to remember the future Geulah and per, pray for the future Geulah, how could that relate to my personal Teshuvah? My personal Teshuvah is about, you know, that I, was, you know, that I need to improve myself, I, didn't, I don't treat other people right, or I don't invest enough time in my Avodah Hashem, whatever it is. But the reality is, those are really two sides of the same coin. Those are really two sides of the same coin. In other words, to the extent, and that's why I think the Rambam's language is so beautiful, he says, he says, Right? He's talking about people who forget ha-emet. What is the ultimate emet? Hashem Elohechem emet. Meaning the people who forget malchut shamayim. They forget what is ultimately real and ultimately true and they live their lives in a way that's out of touch with that. The shofar is, yes, it is declaring malchut Hashem. 
Yes, it is declaring the zechut avot, meaning what we need to yearn for in our relationship with Hashem. And it is declaring that there was a geula and there will be a geula. But that should wake you up because what does that mean about what your life is supposed to be about? In other words, that's the idea. The shofar, yes. How does a person come to really do teshuvah? By reflecting zechu achem. By reflecting on the Creator and recognizing what's really important in life, that is the framework for Teshuvah. And what the Rambam is showing you is that you should recognize the implication. In other words, Rosh Hashanah is a day, a day of celebration because we're coronating Hashem as our Melech. It's a happy day, really, because we're acknowledging that Hashem is Bore Olam, He's Melech Olam, He's the one that directs the entire universe in accordance with His will, and who knows all, and who recognizes all that goes on, and who is orchestrating ultimately a redemption for all of humanity. But the question is, where do you stand? Once you realize that, so now the question is, where do you stand in that plan? Have you been living as if that's true? Or have you been living in, an, in a state of illusion? And as I, I like to use as the, uh, as a, to, to seize upon the Rambam's analogy of the, of the sleeping person, because um, what happens in sleep is something very interesting when we dream Things that are nonsense seem to make sense. Things that are contradictory can exist side by side with each other in the world of dreams. A lot of times in a dream, things that are totally ridiculous seem normal and then you wake up and you say, that dream made no sense. I was doing this, but at the same time I was doing that. This person was there, but the other person was also there. It doesn't make any sense. Things that don't add up, that don't fit together, occur in dreams and we're willing to accept them, we're willing to live with them in the state of a dream because we're in an illusion. And in the state of illusion, you accept contradiction. But in reality, you can't accept contradiction. And what the Rambam is saying is that a person is asleep. Why does he use the analogy of a person who is sinning to a person who is asleep? Because it means they're living in a way that's really contradictory, but they don't recognize it. Just like when a person is in a dream, contradiction is accepted and you're able to live with it in the dream. And when you wake up, you realize that it didn't make any sense. He's like, that's what's supposed to be happening in Rosh Hashanah. All the things you're doing and all of the choices you're making and the thoughts that you're having that are not consistent with your actual values, that are not consistent with this awareness of Hashem and Malchut Hashem and the divine plan, these are the, uh, all of these things are really, it's like you're living in a dream. It's like you're asleep. It's like you're allowing contradiction to exist within your own soul. And that's why he's saying a person has to remember the Creator. He has to recognize the truth. He's forgetting the truth. Because by forgetting the truth, he allows himself to live in a state of contradiction. He allows himself to live in a way that's inconsistent with his actual values. And when he hears the shofar, and he recognizes, recognizes malchut shamay. And he recognizes the zechut avot, which means that Hashem knows all things and that Hashem judges us in accordance with our actual worthiness before Him. And of course, we have the zechut avot as part of what it makes us worthy. Zechut avot means that the fact that we aspire to be like the avot is itself a credit to us. Because the person that you hold up as your role model is a credit to you. If you choose... Uh, people to, uh, to emulate who are bad, that is a negative on you. But if you have a, if you look at Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov as your inspiration, so you have Zechut Avot. 
Zechut Avot means I'm connected to and I aspire to be like them, even if I fall short. And you're asking Hashem, basically, to see that as a credit to you. Now, obviously, Hashem sees all. You don't have to convince Him, but what it means is you have to realize that. Just like when we say in the Tfilot, Hashem, do this leman shemach, leman amitach, leman beritach, leman godlach, leman... Well, you have to convince Hashem to do something for himself? You say, v'chaper chatotenu leman shemecha. You're saying to Hashem, please do this for yourself. What, do you think Hashem can't handle his own business? You have to tell him to do things. Leman amitach, leman beritach, leman... Who are you fooling? You think that Hashem is not aware of his own interests and, and he won't do what's in his best interest? If it's really for Hashem, why do you have to say leman shemach, leman amitach, and all that? What's the answer? The answer is you have to realize it's leman shemo. You have to realize that it's Leman Amito. You have to realize that it's Leman Dato. In other words, what Hashem does for us in giving us opportunities to grow and giving us Licha Bechapara and in giving us uh, additional chances to redeem ourselves, that isn't because I'm so great that of course I'm entitled to another chance. It's not because the universe revolves around me. It's because Hashem acts Leman Shemo. But if I don't recognize that, then I have the wrong idea then I'm now worthy of receiving that special chesed because I'm going to misconstrue that chesed as a validation of my failings instead of realize that Hashem is doing that chesed because He has a plan that's bigger than the moment. And so even though I failed and even though I stumbled, even though I fell short of my values, I'm going to have another opportunity to pick myself up because Hashem acts liman shemo. Hashem acts for the ultimate goal of uh, bringing His wisdom and His reality to light in the world. And so He doesn't want to throw away uh, what, I, what might be good in me because of what's bad in me. Even though there is a lot of bad, but because I'm committed to the overall mission of liman shemo, and leman amito, leman berito, leman godlo, leman that all of those things, because I'm committed to it, therefore Hashem will get, extend chesed to me. And that's really the principle of all of the selichot, by the way. All of the selichot are based on that same idea. Do it bedil vayavor, bedil vayavor, bedil vayavor. What does it mean bedil vayavor? Why do we have to keep repeating these things to Hashem again and again? Okay? V'chusad yiselamecha, v'chusad yiselamecha, v'chusad yiselamecha. What does it mean? It means Hashem do chesed with us because we are the Jewish people. So we say, you know, uh, because of Ezrach Temimecha, because of Yitzchak Akedecha, because of this. Meaning we are a continuation of the mission of the Avot and of our predecessors who devoted themselves to sanctifying God's name in the world. We are doing the same. Therefore, we ask for chesed and for mercy from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. On Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Not because we are so great that we're entitled to it, but because we're committed to the overall mission, so Hashem should give us another chance to continue with that process. That's what it means, Leman Shemo. But if we don't recognize Leman Shemo, and we think that we're entitled to it, so then we're missing the, the, uh, the boat entirely. But back to Rosh Hashanah. The main thing in Rosh Hashanah is to realize that what is changing on Rosh Hashanah is not that Hashem wasn't the king before and He is now, not that He wasn't the judge before and He is now, not that He wasn't aware of what we were doing before and He just woke up and started looking at His record books now. That's not what it means. It means that we are engaged with recognizing Hashem as the Melech right now. We are engaged with reflecting upon the fact that He knows all and He directs all and He has a plan and we either have to get on the train and be a part of that plan or we fall off of it. And that's the reality of our lives. Whatever looms so large in our lives that we think is so important, it's really not that important. 
when you look at the big picture. So how does the shofar become a wake-up call? Just like a wake-up call, what is, how does a wake-up call work? How does, a, how does a, an alarm clock work? It makes you realize that your dream world wasn't the real world. It disturbs your dreams. Dreams, like Freud said, are trying to preserve sleep. They're trying to shut out the external reality and allow the internal reality to define what you perceive. When that alarm clock goes off, you remember there's an external reality. There's a bigger reality. It penetrates through the illusion that is allowing you to live the way that you're living. There's an illusion that's allowing you to live the way that you're living. Maybe it's an illusion you think you'll be here forever. Maybe it's the illusion that you think the world revolves around you. Maybe it's the illusion that you think you're, uh, that what you're doing is, uh, you know, is so important that you, uh, you, can't, uh, you, you can't minimize it in order to do uh, greater things. Maybe whatever the illusion could be. Maybe the illusion, well, there are a million illusions a person could be in the grip of, okay? But those illusions are shattered by the shofar because what the shofar does is it reorients us to, towards malchut Hashem. And that's why the shofar is the instrument of teshuvah, like the Rambam says. It's true what the Rambam says, what the, that, that, that the shofar is to wake you up. But how does it wake you up? It wakes you up by reminding you of that external reality of Hashem's omniscience, malchut Hashem, and Hashem's, uh, ha, I'm sorry, omnipotence rather, the malchut Hashem, and omniscience, that He knows all. And that ultimately he's directing all towards, uh, towards his end. And that we need to be a part of that and, uh, and sign on to the program and not allow our fantasies to grip us and to block it out, which is our nature. To think that our tiny little slice of the world is everything instead of recognizing that we're a tiny part of something much, much, much bigger. Something flipped for a second, but I think I'm back, right? Can you hear me now? Should be able to, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, something happened for a second there. Who knows? Okay. Around here, we have all kinds of, uh, all kinds of interesting things that happen with the construction and Wi-Fi and things because there's a lot of things going on. Not now, not at this time of day. Anyway, um, be that as it may. So that's, the, that's really what I think is the main point of the shofar being both an expression of Malchut Hashem and that's why, why, by the way, the difference between, I had mentioned one time, the difference between shofar and chatzotzrot. You see there's two things that are blown. One is the shofar, one is the chatzotzrot. What's the difference? The shofar has to be a natural item. It's taken from an animal. It's taken from a natural, uh, natural source. And it can't be in any way artificially tampered with. You can't add anything to it that would change the sound and so on. What is the reason for that? Because the shofar is, is supposed to acknowledge Hashem as Borei Olam. Even at, at Har Sinai, there was Bimshuch Hayovel. There was a shofar, Vayikola Shofar. Right? We have the shofar even at Har Sinai. Because the shofar always is an acknowledgement of Hashem as Borei Olam. As a creation of the, uh, creator of the universe. As opposed to Chatzotrot. Chatzotrot are made by people. Asel Lecha Shetei Chatzotrot Kesef. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu to make chatzotot, to make trumpets. Why? And we use trumpets, actually. The mitzvah of using trumpets is on ta'aniyot, is on the fast days. Why? Because trumpets are about using political power. In other words, the trumpets were for Moshe Rabbeinu to gather the people or to tell the people to move or whatever it was or to warn the people that war was coming or, or other tzarot because the, it, it's used by the leader of the community to direct the people but to direct them in accordance with the will of Hashem. 
but it's an exercise of some political power, the use of the chatzotzrot, as opposed to the shofar, which is totally outside of the realm of human power, totally outside of the realm of human influence. It's purely between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu without any intermediary, as opposed to the chatzotzrot, where the zikenim, for example, have a role on the taniyot. They're supposed to be uh, the elders. They're supposed to be evaluating the people. They're supposed to be guiding the people. They're supposed to be giving musar to the people. They're supposed to be correcting them. They're supposed to be you know, trying to get the affairs of the community in order. There's a political element to taniyot. There's a political element to chatzotzrot, because the chatzotzrot are about the political response to a crisis using the political instrument of the chatzotrot and of the, uh, you know, of the uh, institution of whatever communal leadership there is to bring uh, the people back to an awareness of Hashem as opposed to the shofar which is completely outside of the miskerah, it's completely outside of the framework of any kind of a political, uh, any kind of a political arena and that's why it's not made by man, it's not a man-made item but it is a, uh, it is a, uh, a, a natural item and that's why you see but there is that in the Bet HaMikdash you always had both Sometimes the shofar would be the key one, sometimes the chatzotot would be the key one, but you always had both because it means that ultimately everything is really subordinated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not like the political framework is independent of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's subordinated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's not that the, and our, and our recognition of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the creator cannot be separated from the way that we live our lives and the way that our political and social institutions are organized. So you can't have chatzotot ultimately without the shofar. You can't have the shofar ultimately without chatzotot, even though sometimes the emphasis is on one and sometimes the emphasis is on the other. Like we say, on Rosh Hashanah, the shofarot are longer. They, they blow them longer and the chatzotot are, uh, they're mikatsrim. With the, with the chatzotot, they make it shorter because mitzvah yom ba shofar. And the opposite on Taniyot, they would lengthen the chatzotot and they would shorten the shofar because mitzvah tayom b'chatzotot. But the idea is that even though the emphasis sometimes is on getting the political affairs in order and the emphasis on other times is at recognizing God's uh, being the creator and the melech, in both cases, these two things work together for a complete perspective, for a complete picture on things. But we learn a lot about the shofar from chatzotot. For example, the nature of the blasts of the shofar, that there's tru'an, tekiah, we learn that from the chatzotot. And it also says there, v'nizkartem l'fnei Hashem Eloheichem, v'noshatem e'oivechem, that you're going to be remembered before Hashem. It's also there, it says, v'yom simchatchem, v'moadechem, v'ashechotchechem, so there you have also the idea of zikaron lefnei Hashem. We learn the, the significance of the blasts from the chatzotot, that there's a tikiyan, there's a tru'ah. What's the difference between tikiyan and tru'ah? You'll notice an interesting thing. Every tru'ah always has to be preceded and followed by a tikiyan. Always. Always, always. In fact, the verb utkatem could be used also for a tru'ah. You could say utkatem tru'ah. But you could never say tariu tikiyah. Meaning to say that a tru'ah is a species of a tikiyah. It's a subset of tikiyah. But a tikiyah is not a subset of tru'ah. What is the significance of that? Because the blast is meant to make, to heighten awareness. That is the point. Heightening awareness. But there were two functions that the chatzotrot served in the midbar. Sometimes it was to gather the people together. Sometimes it was uvyom simchatchem uvmoadechem uvashechotchechem utkatem b'chatzotrot. Tikiya is to heighten awareness of something, to intensify awareness of something in the positive sense. But why did they blow the trua? Do you remember why the chatzotrot would be blown a trua? 
Why would they blow a tshuah? Only because they were moving the camp. That was one. If they had to move the camp, they would blow the tshuah, the broken blast of the shofar. Or if there was an emergency, they were being attacked, or there was any kind of any kind of an, a, an attack or a crisis, they would blow the tshuah. Why? Because tshuah is not just a heightening of awareness, but it is a, a demand for change. It means that we have to change in some way as a result of the awareness. Tekiyah simply could intensify an experience, but meaning we gather together even more tightly. We focus even more on the korbanot that are going on. But tru'ah always meant to change, either physically to move the camp from one location to another, or internally to do teshuvah because there's a crisis going on and we need to return to God and the crisis is a signal that inner change is necessary. So tru'ah is always a signal of change. Tekiyah is simply generic because tekiyah means heightening awareness. When you hear that first tekiyah and then it's interrupted by a tru'ah, that means that the awareness is that there's an emergency. What's the emergency on Rosh Hashanah? That Yom HaKippurim is coming up. Our final judgment is coming in for the year. Our direction for this entire year is going to be established by these next 10 days. And we need to make sure to be up to the task. We need to make sure to do our best so that the year is a good year. That's the emergency. That's why we're having an alert. But that's why if you look, all of the Rishonim except the Rambam have that the Tikiyah and the Tru'ah have to be the same length. Right? And that's usually the halachal. Halachal said that's what we do. If it's a tashrat, if it's shvarim tru'ah, then it has to be a longer tikiyah before and after. We always match that. If you look at the Rambam, he, has, he doesn't have that. He has that the tru'ah is supposed to be only half of the tikiyah, not the size of the tikiyah. Meaning it has to be less. Why? Because he sees the tru'ah as an interruption of in the middle of a tikiyah. There's a tikiyah in the beginning, a tikiyah in the middle, a, a tikiyah at the end, and it's interrupted by the tru'ah. That's an interruption. It's not a separate blast, but it's an interruption. It's almost as if you interrupted the tikiyah and then you resumed it afterwards. It's almost like the beginning tikiyah and the end tikiyah are one thing, and the tru'ah is interrupting it. Not that there are three different blasts, but there's one tikiyah being broken up by the tru'ah in the middle. Meaning to say that it's, it creates one effect. It creates the effect of a disturbed tikiyah, which is intended to make us realize that there's a crisis. Now, in this case, it's an existential crisis. Means when you become more in touch with Malchut Hashem, when you recognize the urgency, what is the urgency, the significance when you recognize Malchut Hashem, there's an urgency to it. It means something about your life. And that's what the Rambam is saying in the Chol Teshuvah. When you recognize Malchut Hashem and the absoluteness of that, there's an implication for your life that you have to take to heart. That's the emergency there. That's the significance of it. And, and that's where the change occurs. The Zikaron Lefnei Hashem is not because Hashem was sleeping and you woke him up with the Shofar. It's because you were sleeping and now that you're awake, you come closer to Hashem in your mind and your heart and that's the Zikaron Lefnei Hashem. Hashem sees that and that's the basis for your renewed relationship with Hashem. But I want to point to you a proof of that. So you might say, well, 
What do you mean? Isn't it true that it says Hashem, that Hashem opens the books on Rosh Hashanah and He determines our future and there's something going on in Shamayim that uh, we're getting in touch with down here and we just have to be, you know, we have to show up to court on time because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who's really, uh, who's really orchestrating everything and it's not coming from us, it's coming from Hashem reviewing His books for the year. That's a literal reading of all those Midrashim. But I'll prove to you that it's not true because there's a Midrash that says that the Malachim go to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, oh, by the way, what day is Yom Kippur this year? What day is Rosh Hashanah this year? What day are the holidays this year? And Hashem says, I don't know. Check with the Beddin of the Jewish people. They're the ones that decide when the uh, Chagim are. In other words, we say, Mikadesh Yisrael v'yom azikaron. Mikadesh Yisrael v'yom ha-kippurim. The Jewish people are the ones that establish the holidays. In other words, it's something that we're taking the initiative to do. We're commended to do it. In other words, we're commended to set up this period of time of Teshuvah. Hashem doesn't have a fixed time that He set. Because if He did, then our whole method of Kiddush HaChodesh, of determining the months, wouldn't work. Because if there's some kind of absolute metaphysical time that Hashem set, you know, sort of, so to speak, He set it from, uh, from on high, some absolute time, I should say, that Hashem established, and we have to tap into that and be ready for that, then when we're doing Kiddush HaChodesh, if we're off by a day in our Kiddush HaChodesh, our whole Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur will be invalid. And we know that that's not true. We know that we're the ones who are empowered to, uh, uh, you know, to establish the months and to establish the holidays. And I want to show you a proof of that also from Hilchot Teshuvah, because the Rambam talks about the judgment of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And he says something really remarkable because after he talks about the uh, after he talks about the um, the judgment of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and the uh, the importance of that, he says that the that really um, it's important to do teshuvah during a sergemei teshuvah. He says Yom Kippurim zeman teshuvah lakol that Yom Kippur is a time for, of teshuvah for everybody leyachid velarbi. Right, that's what he says. But right before that, what did he say? He said, This is a famous Rambam. Even though crying out to Hashem and doing Teshuvah is always good, it's especially good during Rosh Hashan, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's accepted immediately. Because it says you should call out to Hashem when He's close. Okay? When is that true? Bayachid, only with an individual. Aval batzibur kozman shosin tishuvah v'tzorakin belev shalem enanim. Any time the entire community does tishuvah and cries out to God, they're answered. What does that mean? Point actually. So what is the Rambam saying here? So he says, really, the idea of a sergemei tishuvah is only for the individual. But for the Tzibur, any time that they do Teshuvah, it could be answered the same way as Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying on the same level as a Sergei Teshuvah. Now, what does that show you? It shows you that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is not a special transcendent phenomenon that God fixed, that there's no other way out, that God's determination is absolutely contingent on these Sergei Teshuvah. It shows you that a Sergei Teshuvah is a special case of the entire community doing Teshuvah. In other words, that's the circumstance in which Hashem legislated and established that we must make the initiative to have a communal Teshuvah. 
But it's not that there's some magic in Aseret Yemei Teshuvah. Because in theory, the entire community could do Teshuvah any time of the year. And if it was done Belev Shalem in the same way, it would have the same effect as Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. What does that show you? It shows you that there's nothing magical about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's that what's magical, so to speak, is communal Teshuvah. Because it's extremely difficult for an individual to break out of what we call the Shigra. To break out of the regular, ordinary uh, flow of things that, uh, that, you know, that it propels him or her forward in life. It's very, very difficult. And what enables us to do it during a Seret Yemei Teshuvah is that everybody's doing it. Everybody's going to Selichot. Everybody's going for Rosh Hashanah. Everybody's going for a Seret Yemei Teshuvah. So when you say, oh, I'm trying to improve myself, nobody says, oh, what, is, what happened to you? You became a nerd. Now all of a sudden becoming religious. What the... No, everyone's doing it. We're all trying to do better. We're all trying to improve. So what does that mean? It means that there's a collective momentum towards Teshuvah, towards reflection and improvement. That's what gives Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur its power. That's really what the Rambam is saying. That's what gives it its power. It's just that Hashem told us one day a year or, or ten days a year that we should take the initiative to, uh, to create that effect of a communal teshuvah one day a year. But that does, it, or, or these, for these ten days, one period per year, we create that effect of a communal teshuvah based on Hashem's Gzirat HaKatuv that He told us to do that. But it's not because Hashem made this specific time and there's no other time. Because that would make God dependent on something external to Himself that He can't judge and He can't determine and He can't be, you know, and we can't change our fate. It's some kind of determinate, you know, uh, a fatalistic uh, situation. No, it's that this is just the time that was set aside for communal teshuvah. That's why it has such power. Okay, and it comes from us. Hashem empowered us to establish this time. So yes, it is a precious time. It is an extremely important time because it sets our direction for the entire year. What a person reflects upon at this time when they have a break from the flow of normal life and everyone is together and everyone is reflecting and you have that momentum and that inspiration of the communal teshuvah, what you reach during this time is what's going to propel you forward for the rest of the year. That is the judgment for the whole year. That's your level of awareness of God that's gonna stick with you for the whole year. That's your level of commitment that's gonna stick with you for the whole year. And of course, it's gonna fade over time. That's why they say all the way by Sukkot, it says, by Why does it call the first day of Sukkot Yom HaRishon? Because it's Yom HaRishon averot. because a person's already back to their Averot again by then. Uh, that's a, that is a very generous judgment. I would say by, by Havdalah of Yom Kippur, they're already back. But, um, but it's a matter of degree. The point is there's still a little bit of the effect of those holidays on us for a while. It carries us for a while. It fades with time, but hopefully it leaves us a, little, a few steps ahead. If we take 10 steps forward on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and we take five steps back, we're still five steps better forward than we were the previous year. And that's what the judgment takes into account. That's really what the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are doing for us. They're bringing us into a more intimate relationship with our, our, an awareness of God so that way we can set our life's course in a more realistic and meaningful direction for the coming year. That's what it's all about. And we do that as a community, not as individuals. As an individual, it would be extremely hard without the framework and the setting of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, and that's why we do it as a collective. And that's the power of it. One last point, you'll notice that we always say, uh, we always say, Melech al kol ha'aretz mekadesh Yisrael v'yom hazikaron. Melech al kol ha'aretz mekadesh Yisrael v'yom ha'kippurim. Why do we mention Melech al kol ha'aretz? And if you notice throughout the tefillot, there is a lot of mention of the nations of the world throughout the tefillot of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and perfecting the world. 
על כן נקווה לך השם אלוקינו, לראות מרב בתפארת עוזך, להעביר גילולים מן הארץ, אצלנו לתקן עולם במלכות שדי. That's one of the themes of all the תפילות, or תקה בשופר גדול לחירותנו, the idea that השם should uh, bring about the ultimate redemption. In Rosh Hashanah is embedded a lot of mention of the nations of the world, but what's even more remarkable is that on Yom Kippur also that's mentioned, because Yom Kippur is really only a day of Kapara for the Jewish people. So why on Yom Kippur do we mention Melech al Kola Aretz? We should just say Melech Yisrael, Melech Yisrael v'goalo, the Navi talks about Melech Yisrael v'goalo as Hashem. Why do we have to mention Melech al Kola Aretz on Yom Kippur? The answer is because part of our Teshuvah, or I could say the essence of our Teshuvah, is not that we just improve our personal lives. It's that we improve our commitment to the mission of Litaken olam b'malchut shaday. Like the Rambam says, kol beit Yisrael metzuvim al kiddush Hashem hagadol hazeh. That all the entire Jewish people is commanded to do kiddush Hashem. That is our mission. It's to perfect the world, not just for us. So Rosh Hashanah, recognizing, recognizing Hashem as melech al kol ha'aretz is also recognizing our obligation, our responsibility for all of God's creation and for all of humanity. And Yom Kippur as well is returning to our mission, not just as Jews to perfect ourselves, but to perfect the world, to take that responsibility upon ourselves, to bring the world closer to the ideal of Malchut Shaddai. And that, I believe, is why Melech al is emphasized so much. Because a person who thinks that the main din on Rosh Hashanah is to determine what their Parnassah is going to be, what their personal situation of health is going to be, what their personal interpersonal situation is going to be, and all of that, how their kids are going to do this year, and all of that, it's true. But what they're missing from the big picture is, what is my life really about? How is my life going to be... Uh, how meaningful is my life? When it says Zuchrenu Lechayim, like the Tosfot says, it means Zuchrenu Lechayim means Lechaye HaOlam Abba. It doesn't mean Lechaye HaOlam Azeh. What does it mean Lechaye HaOlam Abba? It means in the ultimate sense, give us a good life, give us a meaningful life, give us a life that is devoted to the higher purpose for which you created us, not a life that's centered on the small things and the trivialities that occupy us most of the time. And so Bezrat Hashem, this Rosh Hashanah should be a time that we heighten our awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we heighten our awareness of where we stand before Hashem, our, our awareness of our responsibility to Hashem, and our responsibility to humanity, that Hashem is Melech Al Kol that we are only the beginning of the process of elevating awareness of God, but that should be once, that's why we celebrate Rosh Hashanah, by the way, not at the Jewish New Year, which technically is Nisan, we celebrate it at the New Year of the World, Hayom Harat Olam, which is the beginning of Tishrei, because we're together with the creation, and we're just the beginning of Reshit Tivuato, like the, uh, like the Navi says, we're the beginning, but it's only the beginning, really the ultimate goal is for all of humanity to recognize Hashem, and it, we have to sign on to that program, that mission of the Jewish people, which is to come to knowledge of God, not just for ourselves, but like Avraham Avinu did, in order to elevate and purify and, uh, and, and inspire all of humanity. So Bezrat Hashem, we should have an inspirational and meaningful Rosh Hashanah. The Shofar should penetrate our, uh, our uh, minds and shatter our illusions and bring us closer to living a life that is a true and a meaningful one. So Bezrat Hashem, next week uh, we'll squeeze in some time, hopefully, to learn also before Yom Kippur. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, our usual time uh, might not work this week because of the holiday. I'm not sure if it would work, but per- perhaps uh, next Sunday we can try to do something. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out a time that, that will hopefully work for everybody. Okay? Shana Tova.